The Ask a CEO Show is brought to you by Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning agency telling personal and brand stories for more than 30 years. From strategy to production and execution, they are a true full-service agency. Check them out today at LorraineGregory.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Ask a CEO Show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome, everybody. I'm Greg Demetrio, the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications. And this is Ask a CEO, a show that brings us into the executive suite and finds out what the reality is from some of the top CEOs in our region. But today, I'm glad to announce that we have a really top financial advisor, Mr. Larry Sprung of Midland Financial. Midland Financial is an SEC-registered financial advisory firm. Larry's been in the business for 20 years. Uh, he's been working with clients to advance their personal asset base and create good futures for them. He's a hands-on guy. He believes in education. Uh, he created something called the Midland Minutes to get, get information out to his clients. He's also created a free app so that they can monitor their assets. Uh, he's a devoted national board member to the Association of the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. He and his wife, Denise, have raised over a million dollars through the Keith Milano Memorial Fund. He's an active volunteer for Binghamton University, where he chairs the uh, Long Island alumni chapter. And if you've seen any of Larry's social media posts, you know he's a devoted hockey dad and a fan of microbreweries. So welcome, Larry. Thanks for taking the time to come to us. Thank you so much, Greg, for having me. I appreciate it, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you. It, it's a, it's been a very interesting time because of the COVID situation. I'm not in my studio. You're not in your office, and yet we're still here communicating. I think that's a, a benefit of technology today. So it is what it is. It's not you know, uh, studio quality. It's not broadcast quality, but we can still have a great conversation. So thank you again. Yeah, my pleasure. I 100% agree with you. You know, a lot of our conversations have been around. Imagine if this happened 10 or 15 years ago, how different it would be and things like this would not be able to even take place. Crazy. Yeah, it would be very different. And and phone conversations are one thing, but I think the addition of video to our ability to communicate just changes the whole dynamic. I think the day of the conference call is over because people are getting used to doing Zoom, et cetera, one of the other platforms. So Agreed. Every, every business has been affected. Ask a CEO has been affected because now we've changed the format and we're talking to CEOs more about what their experience has been under the COVID crisis situation. So even that has changed, right? So going back to the early days of the pandemic, right? 
Um, it became a cause of great anxiety and fear, even panic, even in the marketplace uh, with businesses, with individuals. We were all faced with reversal of all time and had no idea what was coming at us. So your clients must have been the same. How did you deal with them at the initial stages of this? Yeah, so Greg, that's a great question. And, it, it, you know, it's one that we're still grappling with in the midst of this pandemic. Um, but, you know, this has been unique. I've been, as you mentioned earlier, in the business for over 20 years. So I've seen, you know, several, almost five or six of these financial downturns, if you will, in my career. And usually they're very similar in nature. The thing that made this quite different is the fact that it was a financial event that was really tied to a health crisis. And what really exacerbated people's concerns in this environment was the fact that not only did they have to worry about their financial well-being and their financial health, but they also had to worry about their physical well-being and their physical health. And that anxiety really rung even deeper and higher for a lot of individuals. And in the height of the pandemic, in the height of the outbreak back in March, uh, a lot of our conversations were, you know, for people not to panic because it was a very easy time to panic. Um, and it was definitely not the time to panic. I mean, the market went down it just like it hit a brick wall and it had been doing 112 miles an hour and then just boop. And, yeah. And, and didn't, didn't even get a chance to hit reverse. It just fell off the cliff. So, I mean, I know I was quite nervous it, just from the business side because when the market takes that kind of a hit, everything goes down. So we, were watching, we were watching projects get canceled. We were watching uh, long-time clients saying, hold off, we're not going to do anything right now. So the uncertainty uh, was a challenge, and it must have been a challenge for you not only in the beginning, but now even going through. So you have to talk about short-term and long-term advice with your client base. So how are you handling that? Yeah, so I think a lot of, a lot of what we do comes down to planning. We're a planning-driven firm, and we believe in having a financial game plan for our clients. And that is probably the most important, most critical tool to have in an environment like this, because it allows you to put things in perspective. So rather than focusing on, well, the market went down X number of points today or over the period of time, you know what? It doesn't really matter what's going on in the market necessarily. It matters, are you going to be able to fulfill the goals and objectives that you have? So we were spending a lot of time looking at our clients' financial plans based upon the changes that were taking place in the markets in order to see if they were still on track or if they were off track. And a lot of the conversations, thankfully, even with the significant downturn that we had, still showed our clients uh, situations that they were on track. And when clients heard that and said, hey, I know the market's down, but I'm still on track, that really gave them a level of comfort and a reality that they didn't need to react in that moment very quickly. Uh, they may want to make some changes down the road in order to insulate themselves from future uh, adjustments like this. But the fact that they were still on track was very comforting to them and really alleviated a lot of that anxiety. So your job was to 
provide the security blanket, if you will, and not keep uh, avoid them making knee jerk reactions because that would yeah. be detrimental, right? Yeah, I like putting it in perspective and putting things in perspective. And, you know, you talked about the power of video earlier. You know, if you're walking down the street and you pick up a pebble, the smallest pebble, and you put it this close from your eye, it's going to look like a tremendous, the biggest boulder, a tremendous roadblock that you're never going to be able to get around. But you take that same pebble and you put it at an arm's length and you put that thing in perspective, it's not a big deal. And this is the, the analogy that we have to use with our clients because most of them are long-term in nature. They're, they're invested for a, a longer-term goal and objective. And unfortunately, when these events happen, those long-term goals, objectives shrink to very short-term in nature and they forget about the long-term. And it's our job to remind them of what their goals and objectives really truly were. But, but therapists, right? 100%, no doubt. So, so you mentioned video again. And, you know, I've been, a, I've been privileged to see some of the Midland Minutes. Can you tell us how you came up with that and what the purpose is and, and what your feedback's been from your clients? Yeah, so, I mean, it was just something that we developed probably like three, four years ago. I would take my cell phone, just take a quick video about a timely topic or just a general topic. And then as time went on, we, we really added some additional purpose to it. And we've used it as a tool to continue to educate people about just general topics, uh, to make announcements about the firm, uh, as well as non-financial topics. Uh, you know, my most recent posting was on Mental Health Awareness Month. So it's really just a tool because everybody reacts differently to different mediums. Some of us react very well to getting an email or reading a blog. Other people that doesn't resonate with and they don't have that attention span perhaps to read, but if they see a video that catches their attention, uh, they'll, they'll listen to it and see it. And um, you know, we it, the videos have morphed from the topics to what we've done when I first started. I filmed them in the same spot in my office and what I started realizing was they all looked the same. So I started taking them out in different environments. Uh, to make them look different. We added closed captioning. So if people are in their offices watching the video, but they don't want to turn the volume on, they could still uh, see what's going on. And uh, we've also incorporated last summer, for example, I went on a trip to South Africa. And along the way, I took 12 or 13 different clips of our trip along the way with elephants and with giraffes. And I shared that experience with my clients. And it's, it's been a very uh, good experience because my clients feel like they're hearing from me. They're, uh, uh, you know, part of my life, both on the financial end and the non-financial end. Yeah. And lastly, the video that's gotten the most traction, and I would recommend this to any firm, and you as a marketing person, I probably, you know, I would suggest, I, I would think, agree, is we have a video that where I explain where the name of my firm comes from, Mitlin, how that name came about. And by far, that is the most watched video, most talked about. Any prospect that has ever come in, for the most part, always mentions that they saw that video and really enjoy the way that we determined our name. So it's really just a way to share us personally and professionally with everybody. You need to communicate on lots of different levels. And one of them is the very human level. And that seems Perfect. to resonate very well when you take off your CEO hat and you put on your Larry Sprung hat. People like that. You know, I try to do that, and I don't know if I'm successful or not, but it just comes easy to me 
to be more personal and to be more open. And I think the market responds to that because who wants to deal with a stuffed shirt, right? I mean, you're- Yeah, and listen, at the end of the day, uh, you know, how many financial advisors, how many financial advisory firms are out there? There are a lot of us. And if we're all doing the right thing, essentially from a performance standpoint, That's we're all going to be within maybe a half a percent of each other. What you so, differentiate. Right. We want to differentiate ourselves by, hey, we're not just these guys stuck in corner offices, you know, working on your financial plan. We're also people, too. And we want to connect with you on a human. Yeah, I think I think that resonates very well. You know, we were talking about the, the coronavirus and what what the business world is like. I mean, every single aspect of American life has been impacted across the board. Trillions of federal dollars are being directed at supporting businesses and the unemployed and who knows the kitchen sink they're throwing at it now. But that can't go on forever. So you as a financial professional, what do you see as far as the country returning to something that might once looked like self-reliance again. Yeah, I, I, I think we're close to it. I think there's, you know, there's a couple of things that this is all going to come down to as far as how quickly and how fast that recovery takes place. Uh, I think number one is as far as as uh, different states start to reopen, how is that going to work? Are we going to see an increase in infection rates in hospitalizations in deaths? Um, if that doesn't happen and we don't see that vast increase, that's a huge positive for us uh, rebounding very quickly. Uh, number two, I think, is how quickly can they come up with a vaccine? And is the vaccine going to be a prophylactic that's going to prevent you from getting the coronavirus? So if it is and we can get that vaccine, the quicker, the better. One that's effective, not just to get it out there, but one that's effective that's gonna help us recover more quickly uh, as well. And I think the third thing that's an unknown, I, I think one and two we're on a very good track for. And if those go well, I think we could see the economy start rebounding significantly in the third and fourth quarter of this year. Um, the one thing that uh, is kind of a question mark at this point, if we don't have a vaccine, is when we do enter the fall and winter months, when we are normally attacked by the flu, the regular flu, um, what is there going to be this resurgence of the virus? If so, what's the impact going to be? Hopefully, after several months of living in the environment we are now, people are going to feel uh, more comfortable and get used to the, um, you know, the process of sanitizing your hands, not coming to work if you're sick, and all of the things that we probably should have been doing um, and hopefully that'll help us. But we're pretty confident that we're going to see these, this thing bounce back more quickly than some other financial events we've seen in history. And our expectation is Q3 and Q4 are going to lead us in the way. Q1 is over and we were, you know, it was a, not a great quarter. Q2 is going to probably come out as the worst quarter in history. I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about it. But we're pretty confident that we're going to have a nice rebound Q3 and Q4 this year. That seems to be a pretty widely held view, and I just hope everybody's right about that. But I'd like to talk to you about something that's close to your heart. I know you're a devoted um, national board member for the American Federation of Suicide Prevention. Can you tell us how you became a board member and what we should know about the organization and how we could help? 
Yeah, sure. So I, I've been a national board member uh, for a number of years for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And how I came to uh, be a part of the organization uh, was in 2004, I lost my brother-in-law, Keith Milano, to suicide. Uh, he was my wife's brother. Uh, we were very close, close-knit family. And unfortunately, he battled his uh, demons with bipolar disorder and ultimately ended up uh, taking his life. Um, and what we, we decided to do was we were not going to let that go lightly and we were not going to be a family that wasn't going to be open and honest about how he passed. We were going to be very honest and we were going to tell everybody a story in order to hope that there would be an opening up and a conversation so that others who may be suffering or uh, should be seeking help, would go out and feel comfortable doing it. So we connected with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention shortly after his death, and we did one of their local community walks here on Long Island, where we have a very vibrant uh, chapter. And uh, from there, I, I did a lot of work locally and basically got involved then on a national level where I've been there for a number of years. Right now, I sit on the finance committee as well as the uh, investment committee as well. Um, we are the largest uh, funder of, uh, of uh, research. Uh, I believe last year we spent between six to seven million dollars re uh, funding research grants. Mm -hmm. um, just to give you an idea of how the organization has changed from a size and scope from when I started. When I started, we were about an $8 million, uh, we had about an $8 million budget. Um, we just passed uh, north of a $45, $48 million budget for this coming fiscal year, which starts July 1. Um, so we're, we're a growing organization. We're, we're a large, you know, we're, we were founded as a research-based organization, but we also do a lot of work in awareness uh, for survivors, we have a lot of programs for the medical community, which is very uh, pertinent yeah. to where we are today. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, uh, you know, there's a very high suicide rate in uh, the medical profession. That, that was one of the things I was going to follow up ask you about was because these doctors and nurses are seeing death like they've never seen before. They're being traumatized every day working ungodly hours in terrible situations, stress-filled. Yeah. That's a that's a progenitor to PTSD for sure. So, does, is the organization like taking a hard look at how that might they might get themselves to help those people if in fact the suicide rate starts to go up in the medical profession? Yeah. So I mean, that, you know, that's certainly something we're looking at. Keep in mind, we don't um, you know we don't provide support if somebody needs immediate uh, attention. We would highly recommend them, uh, you know, dialing into the suicide hotline. Uh, we provide resources to professions, but it's definitely something that's out there. Uh, our chief medical officer has been on uh, those uh, town halls with Anderson Cooper over the last several months, uh, talking about the, you know, the mental health aspect of uh, COVID. But yeah, I mean, for, for an organization that right now we're working on a, a project called Project 2025, where we have an audacious goal to lower the suicide rate by 20% by the year 2025. Uh, you know, being that this event is, you know, a health and a financial, it's definitely going to, we expect to see a spike in suicide rates, unfortunately, and mental health needs uh, based on the COVID crisis. 
I think the thing that we all have going for us is, you know, we talked about technology two, 10 years ago. 10 years ago, people weren't even talking about mental health. You know, if you, if you look back to 08, it wasn't even on the radar. And to have, you know, the city of New York, for example, to set up a mental health hotline, that is a huge addition that 10 years ago we didn't have in the financial crisis and we could have used. So I think the big thing is with organizations like us, AFSP, people like you who, you know, uh, you know, come out and talked about your story, people like me, people like Anderson Cooper and some of those big name folks, Michael Phelps, for example, it's really led to this openness where people are feeling more comfortable to talk about their situation, but more importantly, seek the help and guidance they need. And hopefully we're, you know, we'll, we're on a path to stem the tie. But yeah. those are people who are definitely going to need that's, help. That's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. All wonderful. Because it, you, can't, you can't throw enough help at these people who are suffering. And, and just the stigma is big. And they need to understand that we're all here to help. We understand. We, we, we've been touched by it. Uh, so we're here. So I, I, I praise you. I thank you for your involvement in that organization. It, it's it's very commendable. So very I'm now taking up your whole work day. All right. I want to thank you very much for stopping by to talk with me. You if got it, Greg. I appreciate we, it. If we operate in a unified fashion, we all become smart. We follow the guidelines. Even if we don't agree with all of them, we follow them anyhow. We'll come out so we can take a look at where we were when this all started and focus on getting back to that. If your prediction is correct, Q3, Q4 is going to be the rebuild process. And with any luck, Q1 in 21, we're back. And I hope that that happens. So I thank you very much for your advice. I thank you for your input, your expertise. Oh, before we go, tell us about your podcast that you're building. Oh, that's uh, to come. We'll be launching that yeah. in uh, September 2020. So uh, look out for it. It's going to be the Midland Money Mindset. Uh, so we're going to be talking about financial topics as well as non-financial topics. So stay tuned. That's terrific. Thank you. I didn't want to go without without mentioning it because it's a that's great all right. Point. I appreciate it. Thank you, Larry. You take care. Thanks, Greg. Great stay, seeing stay you. Safe. Have a good day. Bye now. Be well. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button and don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.